You are Locked On Phillies, your daily Philadelphia Phillies podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, guys? I'm Tim Kelly. This is Locked On Phillies. It is Friday, April 5th. We've made it to the end of the week, and it is not another Phillies off day. In fact, it's the first of six consecutive days with the Phillies game, so that's a good feeling for everyone that's gotten a little bit impatient with these early off days. In some senses, it's felt like a playoff series almost, where you have these off days. It changes how you can use some of your pitchers, but it is hard when the Phillies started off 4-0. They're 4-1 after a difficult loss Wednesday afternoon, but there is a lot of excitement, so to continue having these off days, uh, it has been a little bit rough for people. Luckily, there won't be another one for a week, so the Phillies will open interleague play for the first time this weekend in 2019 which for the record I love um, I know there's a there is a group of people that want to get rid of interleague play and say with national television it's it's not worth it anymore and I, I don't even grasp that you get to see other stars so you get to see the Phillies play Mike Trout Mookie Betts go down the list you get to see different teams you wouldn't otherwise see in a 162 game uh season for example my uh dad is from detroit or he's from michigan and the detroit tigers come here later this month that's always an exciting series for me personally when they come i know there's lots of people that love going down to baltimore yeah you do play some insignificant teams but you play insignificant national league teams every year too and there's 162 games like there is plenty of chances to see the national league teams and games that quote unquote matter I, I like interleague play and hope it stays permanent, and I, I think it probably will. In any event, the Twins, like the Phillies, are 4-1 and one with new manager Rocco Baldelli, who's actually a trivia question in Phillies history. His home run in Game 5 of the World Series was actually the final run that the Tampa Bay Rays scored in that series. It got out of the park in a hurry, and it tied the game after Jeff Jenkins had given the Phillies a lead, or his run had given the Phillies a lead following the two-day rain delay. In any event, Rocco Baldelli, former Tampa Bay Ray, is now the manager of the Minnesota Twins. They're 4-1, and one, and they have an interesting roster. Byron Buxton is a tremendous fielder in center field that hasn't developed thus far offensively the way that they had hoped, but he's still only 25, and he's hitting 308 thus far this season. Granted, it's a small sample size, but they're encouraged by that. They made two notable free agent signings this offseason in Nelson Cruz in Marwin Gonzalez. So for as flexible as Marwin Gonzalez is in the field, Nelson Cruz, as Texas Rangers fans can tell you from the 2011 World Series, isn't a good fielder. It'll be interesting to see in this series with DH not being an option in the National League, how they will employ him, if they will try to employ him as a starter in the outfield every night, or if they'll do that once or twice in this series. It'll be interesting. Maybe they'll have him in the infield at some point. We shall see. Uh, Eddie Rosario, their left fielder, is one of the most underappreciated players in the league. And Jonathan Scope, who had a down year last year, he split the season between Baltimore and Milwaukee. He was a really good bounce-back candidate because prior to last season, he was an excellent player. So he's someone it made sense for the Twins to take a flyer on. And then also Trevor May, who the Phillies traded uh, as the main piece in the Ben Revere trade, is now the Twins' closer. So uh, another interesting Phillies-related dynamic there. Here's the pitching matchups for this series. In Game 1, Nick Pavetta is going to pitch against Jake Odorizzi. Odorizzi showed some upside in Tampa Bay, 
But thus far, he's really only proven to be a guy that can pitch at the back end of your rotation and give you a lot of innings. Uh, there, there was a point where people thought he was going to develop into more of like a number two, number three starter. He isn't that thus far. He's 29 years old. Some guys uh, find a second level at that age. Max Scherzer found a second level around that time. Jacob DeGrom was it was much both of them were better than what uh Oda Rizzi is right now but some people click at that age so it'll be interesting to see he's someone that uh, a lot of people wanted the Phillies to trade for part of the 2017 season and then Nick Pavetta meanwhile lasted just four and two-thirds innings in his first start of the 2019 season so the Phillies are obviously looking for much more than that this second time around he didn't he showed in spring training he was working at a quicker pace and he just looked confident. And it wasn't that he looked unconfident in his first start, but he looked a lot more like the pitcher we saw last season that, yeah, occasionally he'd put together a start that makes you think, not only can this guy be the number two behind Aaron Hall, he can be an ace himself, but then he's more like a number four or five starter in a lot of other stretches. So obviously the Phillies need more than four and two-thirds innings from him in game one tonight. We shall see if that happens. In game two, Jake Arrieta is going to pitch against Michael Pineda. Arietta labored through six innings on Sunday night baseball in their win over the Atlanta Braves, but he only allowed one run. He had good movement like he did in spring training, but he couldn't locate his pitches. It was a chilly night, and there is something, I tweeted this out at the time, when you have veterans that have good stuff but don't have it on a given night but are able to get you six innings, that's the difference between an 80 and a 90-win team. Aaron Nola didn't have it Wednesday, and he couldn't get you out of the third inning and allowed six runs. Jake Arrieta didn't have it last Sunday. He got you through six innings, and he only allowed one run. He left the game with the lead and ultimately won it. So winning games where your best don't have their best is obviously important if you're going to be a contending team. If not, you find yourself right around where the Phillies were last year where maybe you're in contention in July you're not by the end of September. Then there's Michael Pineda, who I thought had Hall of Fame talent when I first saw him in Seattle. And at times, he showed that elite potential with the Mariners and the New York Yankees. He essentially missed the whole 2018 season after having Tommy John surgery. But the Twins signed him to a two-year deal so he could rehab in their system. And then uh, he made his season debut last week. He was limited to just 40 pitches and four innings, but he only allowed one hit and he struck out five. He's somebody that has tremendous stuff. So if he's able to put it together and stay healthy, which has been an issue for him throughout the course of his career, he's another one of those signings that is an under-the-radar, low-risk, potentially high-reward signing. I will get to Game 3 of this series and a little bit on Roman Quinn after this message. Guys, after you're done listening, sharing, and downloading Locked on Phillies, BlueChew.com is the perfect place to head if you are having any trouble in the bedroom. BlueChew.com, that's blue like the color blue. BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. Why pay more just for the name brand? Now, this isn't just for guys who can't perform. It's for any guy who wants to add extra function and enhance their performance in the bedroom. Blue Chew is prescribed online, and it ships straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor's visits, no waiting in the pharmacy line, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than going to a pharmacy. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill. So you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises 
Right now, we've got a special deal for my listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code MLB. Just pay $5 shipping. That's promo code MLB. Again, that's BlueChew.com, B-L-U-E, like the color, BlueChew.com, promo code MLB to try it free. BlueChew is better, cheaper, and faster than the other choices. So game three in this series is going to match up Jose Barrios and Zach Eflin. Barrios still only 24 is the Twins' best pitcher. He has a 1.84 ERA in his first two starts. But Zach Eflin's actually he has an easier matchup than his last start, which was his first start of the season when he outpitched Max Scherzer. He mixed his pitches well, pitching with the and he had the type of authority that I think a lot of people want Nick Pavetta to have. He looked in control. He looked confident. He mixed in a curveball. I think it was in the fifth inning that was kind of out of nowhere because he hadn't used that pitch throughout the day, and it was dirty. So Zach Eflin looked excellent. For all the hype there was around Nick Pavetta's first start, and I get that. I think Nick Pavetta has frontline potential. Zach Eflin had a really, really, really good July last year. He went 5-0. and He won the only game in the Yankees series that the Phillies won. He looked really good in his first start of the season, and people forget, it feels like Zach Eflin's been around for forever, and in a lot of senses, he has been around for quite a while. He was acquired in the Jimmy Rollins trade, and Jimmy Rollins is going to have a retirement night at Citizens Bank Park this year, but Zach Eflin's only 24 years old. He has two healthy knees. We harped on that a lot this last season. But this is the second season he's pitching with two healthy knees. It's the first time, I believe, that he has begun the season in the starting rotation. So he, he looked really good, and that will be an interesting matchup in the series finale Sunday afternoon. Let's switch gears a little bit because Roman Quinn is... I interviewed him on my uh, one podcast, Mound Visit, which you can check out on 94WIP.com. It's part of High Hopes. He was a great guy, super kind, super generous with his time. And I think lots of people are fans of him as a player. And at that point, he was in high spirits about his health, about how he was coming in, some adjustments he had made. Unfortunately, the injury bug hit him again, and he's opened the 2019 season on the injured list with an oblique strain. He made a rehab appearance at Single-A Clearwater Thursday, and Matt Breen of the Philadelphia Inquirer reported yesterday that the Phillies, without any setbacks, think Quinn will rejoin the team at some time in mid-April. He's still only 25, as I mentioned, and there's not really any question of whether when he's healthy, he's worthy of being on the 25-man roster. He may be the quickest player I've ever seen play for the Phillies. That includes Jimmy Rollins, Shane Victorino, Doug Glanville, whoever, Michael Bourne, go down the list. And that's all with him having had this many injuries, which is always something that as somebody that had a lot of leg injuries and saw their speed drastically decrease, I'm amazed by that. But in any event, it allow, that speed has allowed him to be valuable both in the base paths and he covers ground really well on center field. He can play all three outfield positions, but he gets tremendous reads in center field. He's comfortable there. He's a really good outfielder. The issue is the health. He's almost always, I believe every season he's been in the Phillies organization, he's had at least one injury. In many cases, he's had multiple. Even in the 50 games he spent with the Phillies last year, he dealt with, I think, a broken toe. He had some nagging hamstring stuff. Like it, 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 There was a, de- a point where there was a debate about, could Roman Quinn usurp Odubel Herrera in center field at one point? And that debate feels like a moot point to me now because whether Quinn would be a better starter than Herrera or not, it really doesn't matter. He hasn't proven to be able to stay healthy enough 
for you to say, yeah, Odubo, you're going to be a bench piece now, or we're going to trade you, and we're going to put Roman Quinn in as our everyday center fielder. If anything, he's shown that when he is healthy, the Phillies may be better off only using him a few days a week, using him off the bench more, only for a couple innings, one at bat, pinch running, whatever it is. He's a very valuable weapon at that, and you want to keep him healthy. You really want to have him down the stretch and potentially into the postseason if you're the Phillies. Right now, you can live without Roman Quinn, but he adds another dynamic that not only doesn't exist on this team it doesn't exist much in modern baseball, but that ability to steal bases, Gabe Kapler wants the Phillies to be really aggressive on the base pass this year. It's easy to be really aggressive when you have the speed of Roman Quinn. It's just it's a matter of him staying on the field. You are going to be faced with a roster crunch, though, and it was a roster crunch that we initially thought the Phillies would have to figure out when they broke camp. Quinn got injured, and the debate was pushed back a little bit, but... Essentially what it's going to come down to is one of Aaron Altair or Nick Williams is not going to be on the major league roster when Roman Quinn returns. I don't think that there's any chance the Phillies say, you know what, Roman, we like your talent a lot, but you're out of options and we're going to option you to AAA knowing you're probably going to get claimed or we're going to trade you. The Phillies really like him and there's nothing that Roman or that Aaron Altair or Nick Williams do that is comparable comparable to him. So I don't think they're going to give up on Roman Quinn. I also don't think they're going to send somebody else to the minor league or that they would send a reliever to the minor leagues considering you have Altair, you have Quinn, and you have Scott Kingery who can play the outfield. You have Nick Williams, who I didn't mention. You need all eight of your relief pitchers. The way a modern baseball team is run, certainly the way the Phillies were run last year, you need eight relievers in your bullpen. They're not going to send somebody down for a position where you don't think your starters are going to come out much at all. Bryce Harper's not coming out of right field. Andrew McCutcheon may get 10 days off, 15 days off in the season, but he's your leadoff hitter. You're not going to see him elsewhere much. And Herrera, if things go well, is going to be your center fielder a majority of the time. So you're asking these guys to be bench pieces for the most part. So you're not going to keep three outfielders and Scott Kingery who can also play the outfield. You're going to move on from or send one to AAA and Altair and Nick Williams. And there was part of me that thought, wow, Nick Williams is super overqualified to be a AAA, but you don't really want to give Aaron Altair away or option him knowing he would probably be claimed because he doesn't have another minor league option. Nick Williams has two minor league options. You could send him to AAA. He could be super overqualified there. I think the idea of him, he needs to get more at-bats. That's silly. Like You're asking him here to be a bench piece, and that's what you're going to be asking of him to be, him moving forward, whether he gets a lot of at-bats at AAA or not. So you could send him there, and he could wait for either Altair to struggle and you to say, yeah, we're, we're going to move on, or for Roman Quinn to potentially get injured again and a spot to open up for him, or somebody else on the roster could get injured, and that would allow Aaron Altair to come back. But I just I think you have to take the human aspect into this. The Phillies optioned Zach Eflin to AAA for one start to get an extra reliever last year, and on paper it may have made sense. But the human aspect of it, I think it rubbed a lot of people most importantly, it rubbed a lot of players in that clubhouse the wrong way. That Zach Eflin at that point had been pitching excellent. He was someone that had no business at AAA. You sent him back there, and the rest of the season, he really was not good. So I don't think the Phillies are going to send Nick Williams to AAA, and they probably shouldn't. And as much as they and I, I last year thought that Aaron Altair deserved the right of first refusal in right field after a strong 2017 season... And I'm not. There are things about Aaron Altair that's more valuable. He's a better fielder. He can play center field, which Gabe Kapler said 
Although Nick Williams did a couple times in 2016, he doesn't see Nick Williams as a center fielder. So there is that value. The thing is, you're asking both of these guys to come off the bench, and moving forward, barring some catastrophe, that's what you're going to be asking them to do. Aaron Altair has a career 187 batting average off the bench. Nick Williams hit 333 as a pinch hitter last year. And he had an RBI single, which was his first hit in five pinch hitting appearances in Wednesday's matinee against the Nationals. Nick Williams is aggressive, and he fits that bench role, that pinch hitting role, a little bit more. And Gabe Kapler's been more aggressive in using Nick Williams' overall tear off the bench to start the season to pinch hit. It's obviously a small sample size, but what's ultimately going to happen, I think, is the Phillies are going to say, hey, you know, we like Aaron Altair quite a bit. But he had he had a lot of chances, and maybe he figures it out somewhere. But he's three years older than Nick Williams. He doesn't have any minor league options. It probably makes sense to trade him, get what you can. It's not going to be anything noteworthy. But that's better than saying, oh, well, we'll option him to triple it. Like, that, that's just not going to happen where he's going to clear through waivers. Some team will take a chance on Aaron Altair, and it makes sense. 2017, he was really good for stretches. If he can stay healthy, he's someone that could click. I always saw comparisons between him and Jason Worth were a, a, a little extreme. But he is someone that has upside and some pop and can play all three outfield positions. So he has value around the league. Maybe you can get back something small and you move forward with what you have. The problem is, once Roman Quinn, if Roman Quinn gets injured again, or if somebody else gets injured in the outfield, you do have less depth. You're going to have to go to either Dylan Cousins, somebody else in the minor leagues. I don't think you're going to go the route of Adam Hazley just yet. So either that, or you bring in a veteran that's on another roster, or a non-roster invitee, one of those type of things. And you're not going to have someone that's as good as Aaron Altair to potentially come up, but that's kind of how the cookie crumbles. If things had gone well for Roman Quinn in spring training, I think the Phillies would have had to make a decision much earlier, and they're going to be faced with that decision in all likelihood in a couple weeks. So I am Tim Kelly. This is Locked on Phillies. You can read my work on philliesnation.com, 94wip.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Tim Kelly Sports, and I will catch you guys next week.